Good morning, everyone. Um, if you could have a seat, um, get settled in if you're watching online, and would you watch this video with us? Sometimes I forget Jody's gone. My husband Jody died from cancer. I knew in my head, you love God, you trust him, you pray. And that doesn't guarantee that things are gonna go well. But I guess I really didn't know it in my heart. My friends invited me out to dinner shortly after Jody died to cheer me up and to help me see the bright side of things. They didn't have a clue as to how I was feeling. It felt like there was a moat between us and there was no bridge. Grief Share helped me realize that I wasn't going crazy, that it really helped me to focus on the Lord during those dark times. The folks in that grief share group were the only ones who knew what I was going through and how I was feeling. It still hurts, but I'm not suffocating anymore. Grief Share is a small group open to men and women who are dealing with the death of a loved one, friend, or relative. So join us and begin your journey from mourning to joy. All right, so I have a couple of announcements for us today, one of them being Grief Share. So starting January, January 20th at 6.30 p.m. this Wednesday, Grief Share is going to start here at church. It's a 13-week series. You can register online at griefshare.org. Um, if you have any questions, you can contact Dave Dunson back there. Um, uh, David D at hbtulsa.com, or you can call the church office and get connected that way. Um, so, if you haven't noticed, um, we are in the middle of doing Core 52 right now. Um, and Core 52 has been awesome. Uh, you can see up here, so at first I thought 52 uh, concepts, 52 weeks of, of just deep scripture study, I was like, I don't know if I can do it. It's kind of overwhelming. Um, but then this is what the book looks like. So like each week, uh, it's not just each day you're overloaded with tons and tons of scripture. It does a good job of breaking it up so that you can really mull scripture over and it can become part of your daily life. And so like you first read a really brief essay that's in the in the book core 52 then you memorize a short scripture that um like this past week was um was for sabbath uh and so uh then day three you read like a related passage day four you meditate on some scriptures 
This one's kind of fun. Day five, watch a patriotic film such as The Patriot, Few Good Men, or Captain America, and ask how faith would be defined through that movie. See, this week right there was for uh, the concept faith. And then there's like Overachiever Challenge, Memorize James 2, uh, 17 through 18, and a bonus read where they'll give you just more resources. And so if you haven't gotten your book and gotten into Core 52 yet, I want to encourage you to do so. You can buy them um, at hvtulsa.com, pick them up at the church. We'll have a bookmark for you that has... Um, that has the order and the schedule that we're reading everything in because we're not doing chronological chapter one, two, three. We're going kind of out of order. Um, and so if you have questions about the order, go to hptulsa.com and uh, just click Core 52 and it'll have the whole schedule right there for you to see. Um, so in December, we invited people to give towards our, our Gifts Remembered project, if you guys would remember that. Um, so helping our 220 Center uh, recover from a break-in, uh, be better secured, and help our food pantry expand their care for our community. And you guys really delivered. You gave a ton. Uh, do you want to know how much you gave? All right. Well, $5. Wait, that's not right. Maybe add a zero there. Wait, add a five? Wait, no, a six. Wow, you guys gave $5,000, $5,056, excuse my math, and 44 cents. Our goal was $5,000. So you guys went above and beyond. You got us there. We celebrate that, and we'll keep you updated on our progress. Um, and our team was just doing what they're doing. You know, our 220 team loves loving people, and they do such a good job of that. Um, and to be honest, we've started 2021 a little behind in our giving, and so we're hoping that maybe you can pray as a family, as an individual, um, and maybe consider giving a little bit more um, consider maybe what you're doing with part of a stimulus check. Um, so if you're here with us today, you can give in a blue box in the, uh, in the lobby. You can also give online. You can text or mail. So there's tons of different options for ways that you can do that. I'm going to pray over our giving, over our service today. So if you just bow your heads, please. Heavenly Father, God, you are so good. You are so good. You give us what we need and so much more. And Father, we just are thankful that your Holy Spirit lives within each and every one of us. Father, we pray that we would honor you with, with our actions and our thoughts and um, our gifts as well, God, that you would be honored through that, that people's lives would be transformed by, by your grace, your Holy Spirit, and through our giving, through our offering, Father. And I pray that today, here in service, God, whether people are sitting in, in seats here in the building or if they're online, Lord, I just pray that you would be honored above all else. Our allegiance is to you, God, and we can't wait to worship you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, well, we are going to go ahead and get started into our praise and worship time. So if you're able, would you please stand?
Savior say, thy strength indeed is small, child of weakness, watch and pray, find in me thine all in all, Jesus paid it all, all 
washed our sins away. We thank you that once we were scarlet and now we are white as snow. We thank you that your blood covers all things. God, everything we did in the past, everything we'll do in the future, God, you have covered us and you have called us your own. And so we will never stop praising your name. We will never stop bringing glory and honor to your name. You are so worthy of that and so much more, God. 
we can't forget what you've done for us. You've completely changed us. You've made us new creations. We love you, Father. In your name we pray. Amen. You all can be seated. Scripture tells us that on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. As we prepare now for a time of communion, two things that we can take from this passage are a state of remembrance and a state of gratitude. Jesus tells us to take the bread and the wine, both of which he gave to his disciples with a message of remembrance. Remember his death, why he died, which was to once and for all save each one of us from our own personal sin and reunite us with God our Father through faith and trust in Jesus. Remember the manner in which Jesus lived, which was perfect without sin and perfect obedience and love to God the Father. So Jesus lived the life we should have lived, but he died the death we should have died, taking on all of our punishment that we deserved from our sin on himself. In this time of communion now, let us focus on intentional remembrance of why Jesus died for us, for each one of us, and then intentionally give thanks to God. Let us pray. God, we thank you so much for for your son, for Jesus, for what he did for us. And as we focus on his dying on the cross for our sins, in the words of the last song, Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. Sin left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. Jesus paid our debt. I just pray that we focus on that now in this time of communion. Let's focus on Jesus. Amen.
morning, church family. It's good to be with you. Thank you, everyone, for being here. Thank you, everybody who's online uh, watching right now. We're, uh, as Gabriella mentioned, in this uh, Core 52 study. I've really enjoyed uh, the studies. They've been helpful for me, and I trust that they have been for you as well. And for these first uh, eight weeks uh, of this year-long study, uh, we're talking about what it means to have a deeply formed life. And we talked about how redwood trees last week, they can grow 200 feet tall, and the roots don't go way, 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 way deep. They actually kind of go a little bit deep and then outwards, up to 100 feet outwards. And there's these elements of the Christian life that are important for us if we want to grow, that we don't only focus on one thing, like only study but not prayer, or only evangelism uh, but not the spiritual disciplines. All of them are important to help us grow, and we want to tackle one of those each week. Last week, we talked about mission, and I hope this week that you, you thought about how God has called all of us uh, to be fishermen and fisherwomen, uh, to catch fish. And I pray that that was part of your life this last week. And today we want to talk about Sabbath rest. When I say that, you're probably a little confused about like, well, I don't, wasn't that something for the Old Testament? Wasn't that something long ago? I, I want to talk about Sabbath, and I want to just ask you to kind of really lean in, because I think God has some huge lessons to teach us, and here's what I want you to really understand. The Sabbath is a blessing to you and to me. It is God's blessing. As just a simple definition, the Sabbath is a set-aside time of unhurried delight with God. It's an invitation to a life not dominated and distorted by overwork. Lots of our life is dominated and distorted by overwork. And Jesus remembered the Sabbath, but not always in the ways that the religious leaders liked. Remember, they, they had made Sabbath into something that was very legalistic. Uh, you could only um, walk this far or else they said you broke the Sabbath. That wasn't God's law. That was their law. And they said you can, you know, you can only uh, crack this, these many eggs and you can do this, but you can't do this. And you can go here, but you can't go here. And it just got to be a burden. So when Jesus comes along, they're even criticizing him when he heals somebody on the Sabbath. He saves someone's life. And they're like, well, you shouldn't have done that. That might have been work. See, they, they became so legalistic and dogmatic about it that it took all of the joy out of Sabbath. And I think sometimes in my life, I've thought so much about how the Pharisees and religious leaders in Jesus' day ruined the Sabbath that I've forgotten that it's a blessing and that we don't want to throw it all out just because some people ruined it. Actually, we want to let it re be restored to what God intended for us. So today we're going to talk about Sabbath, and our text is from Mark chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, uh, you might turn there uh, to follow along with us, and we'll have it up on the screen as well. Here we go, Mark chapter 2, and Jesus has been spending time in prayer. He's been doing some miracles. Uh, he and his disciples have been criticized already for a few things, like uh, for not fasting the way that they wanted them to and such. So anyway, here we go, Mark chapter 2, verse 23. One Sabbath... Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples walked along. They began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. 
And he also gave some to his companions. Right, right here, Jesus reminds them, it's, the, it's referencing 1 Samuel 21, when David broke the Sabbath according to the most legal interpretations, but God saw it as something okay to do. And Jesus is saying like, hey, you're criticizing me. Have you forgotten to read your Bibles lately? So he's criticizing the, the religious leaders here. And then here's kind of the key verses of this text. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. So Jesus is not getting rid of the Sabbath. He's saying, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath, and it's for you. It's not, it's not for me, it's for you. It's for all people. It's not just so that God will like you. It's because God wants to bless you. And we need this gift because our instinct is to live stressed out lives, right? Uh, that, that's kind of what our culture, we actually even kind of brag about it. Well, I'm busier than you. Well, I was really busy this week. And uh, well, it was really bit bu- Like we almost say I'm busy as a way to brag about how productive we are. And I think that's because sometimes we feel this pressure of like, if I'm not productive, I'm not valuable. So uh, uh, Matt found this great clip um, that he shared with me a couple weeks ago, and we've kind of been waiting to play it this week. But about 50 years ago, a guy by the name of Walter Cronkite, for those of you younger, uh, he was the most famous newscaster, and he had this show where he was talking about what the houses, what the American house would look like 50 years from then, so like today. And he kind of gets close, but watch the clip and notice the things that he thinks are going to happen. Some stuff he gets right, some stuff he does not. So let's watch this clip together. Technology is opening a new world of leisure time. One government report projects that by the year 2000, the United States will have a 30-hour work week and month-long vacations as the rule. A lot of this new free time will be spent at home. And this console controls a full array of equipment to inform, instruct, and entertain the family of the future. He kind of got it right that we're going to have this device that can control our entertainment and news. The device we use is a little bit smaller than that, isn't it? He did not see the, the, the smartphones coming. Um, but he got it right. Like, you're going to be able to get your news. You're gonna, he even talks about you're going to be able to work virtually from home. A lot of that stuff he got right. But what was the big miss? Life's going to be easier. We're going to really dial it back have more vacation, more time off, and it's just, we're going to be a little more relaxed. He forgot, no matter how much technology we have, we still have this human impulse to fill it up, all of our time, all of our schedule. And by the way, if you want to watch that whole link, we'll put, uh, or that whole video, we put a link up on the, uh, on the website that has all the sermon notes and discussion questions and all that stuff, and we put that link. If you want to watch it, it's kind of fun to watch the whole thing. But so, what is it that helps us slow down? Is it the fourth commandment? No, it usually requires something like a pandemic, right? I mean, that was the first time I saw people walking on our neighborhood trail was April. Suddenly, everybody's like, oh, we can go for a walk. It took a pandemic to get some of us to slow down. Some people have had a surgery sometime in your life, and at the end, I've heard you say, like, you know, it was really rough, and the rehab was really tough, but I did have, like, the slowness to my schedule I think God taught me some stuff in that moment. Sometimes it takes something really drastic. 
But God said to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. So I want to share a couple principles, and then we're going to get really practical at the end with something just real quick to help you kind of practice this at home. So here's a couple big principles. Number one, Sabbath is a gift, not a reward. In fact, the, the Ten Commandments uh, are not means of salvation, but results of salvation. It, so what I'm saying is, you don't Sabbath in order for God to love you, in order for God to accept you. God loves you and accepts you and we follow him, and then that rest comes out of that. But God gives that to us. The idea is not to work ourselves into exhaustion so that then we're like, oh man, I barely made it to Sabbath and, and then just sleep for 24 hours. That's not really the idea either. That's getting it backwards. Think about creation. On what day, pop quiz, did God create mankind? Anybody remember? Day six. On what day did he rest? Day seven. So for mankind, which day was Sabbath? Day one, <laughs> right? And I'm not saying that to get carried away with, like, that's, that was the point of Genesis 1, um, or if you don't Sabbath on the first day or the seventh day or the second day or however you want to interpret it. That's not the point of Genesis. But it does point to a larger biblical principle that God gives us his love, his rest, his presence with us, and doesn't say, you got to work for seven days in order for me to love you, in order for me to rest with you. On a practical note, I've kind of wondered, maybe God did it that way because it's kind of like if you prepare your house and then the guests come over, you don't want to prepare your house for another six days. You want to spend time with your guest. And God was able to do that. And so the, the larger principle is that Sabbath is a gift. It's not something that God says, if you don't do this, I don't love you. That's not the point. God says, I love you, so here's this blessing. Here's this wonderful thing that most people won't get. Number two, Sabbath moves us from production to presence. We tend to, to value, you know, overworking. We brag about, you know, the, how busy we are. and We feel this need to be productive all the time to make ourselves money or to make more things. Or here's the big one, to make more of ourselves. It's a reminder that our work remains incomplete. The goals that you have in your life, there's some bit of them that will be incomplete. We, we won't finish them all. We won't get it all done exactly as we had planned. There's part of our work in life that it will always be incomplete, and God says, that's okay, because I want to be with you, and I love you. The Sabbath is not just rest from making things. It's rest from the need to make something of ourselves. So the Sabbath says you don't have to always be productive. You can come into my presence. And that's a good, good thing. Next, the Sabbath points us to the deeper rest that we need. Because there's a quality of rest that we need that is deeper than a nap or a vacation or a quiet day of reading. It can only come from Jesus. Now, all of those things might be part of a good Sabbath time, but we need a deeper rest than just catching up on sleep, right? We need a rest for our souls. And that's what God is after. In Matthew 11, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Let's just be honest. Anybody feel weary and burdened today? I see some hands. Online, I bet you some people are watching, raising their hands in their living room. 
yeah, we, we can feel weary and burdened. And Jesus says, I will give you rest. That's what God offers. I give, will give you rest. Does that mean that we don't work? No, but we find rest even in our work because our work doesn't define us. Our work doesn't mean that if we don't do it well enough that we won't have a relationship with Jesus. We won't find deep rest in what we do. We find it in what God has already done. And that's beautiful. So God is for us. His laws are for us. His commands are for us. His guidelines are good. The Sabbath is good. So let's talk practically just for a moment. Because I have not talked to very many believers who practice Sabbath regularly. It's kind of interesting. It's like the one of the Ten Commandments we've just completely forgotten about. And the very commandment, what does it say? Remember the Sabbath. (laughs) Don't just forget about it and ignore it. And my advice is to not get too legalistic about it. Because I think if we get legalistic, we completely mess up what Jesus intended. So your Sabbath will probably look different than mine. And there may be a different time period. The idea was for a 24-hour period, but maybe you need to begin with 12. I would encourage you, do something. It's a gift from God to you. Maybe you can't even begin with 12. But do something. Set something aside. So uh, I came up with a little acrostic, just uh, rest, to help you kind of not forget this. So the R for rest is remember it. That's the command. But when we remember it, that means we reserve a time for it. That means that today you need to get on your calendar and say, here's this timeline. Here's this period of time that we're going to Sabbath this week. And maybe, you know, Saturday, you know, all that we can do is say we're going to Sabbath from Saturday from 4 p.m. until Sunday when we get home from church. Okay, so what does that mean? I think it means you're not going to work in order to be productive. You're not going to check your work email. Uh, You're not going to try to fix everything in your house. Um, You probably still are going to need to make some dinner. That's okay. And and maybe your neighbor sometimes is going to call and say, hey, my my basement's flooding. Can you come help? Well, no, I'm doing the Sabbath. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Because Jesus still loved people. So we got to figure out those things. But as best we can, we remember it. We plan it out. We say, okay, for my Sabbath, if I don't plan it out well, then it's not going to go very well. So maybe plan out. I'm going to spend at least an hour reading this book that I've been wanting to read for a long time. I'm going to spend this time going for a walk and just having prayer time with God. I'm, going to, I've, I'm reserving these two hours just to play games with the kids. And I'm, I'm going to keep an hour for that nap that I do want to take. You know, maybe kind of loosely plan it out. Give yourself some wiggle room. The more kids you have, the more wiggle room you need, okay? And that's okay. But remember it. So that means you make a plan for it. You remember what it's about. Something that may be helpful uh, that I learned from this great book from Rich Viotis called The Deeply Formed Life. And if you're interested in this topic, read this book, please. Um, But uh, the idea of when your Sabbath begins, light a candle. And if if you have family together, bring them in and say, we're going to light this candle to remember that God's presence is with us. And we're going to rest in God's love for us these next few hours or for this time, and let that candle burn and be a reminder that this is Sabbath time so that we don't forget. Okay, the E is for to eliminate unnecessary noisemakers. That doesn't mean you can eliminate your children, okay? Um, Or the neighbor kids who are running around, okay? But there are a lot of noises in our life that we did to ourselves. 
And uh, when, when we're checking our phones all the time, that's self-inflicted noise-making, okay? So when you are ready to check your phone during your Sabbath time, I want you to remember this. Somebody's walking up behind you in your Sabbath doing this. Okay? Every time you check your phone, remember that. If you have notifications set up on your phone so that when you get an email, your watch beeps or your phone vibrates or somebody likes your Instagram post and you get a beep, if, if you think this is going to be a good idea for me to get in an argument on Facebook during my Sabbath, okay, got it? So when you start to check your phone for all of those stupid noises that we have, then you just remember me coming up behind you blowing this, okay? Because I will be there in spirit blowing this. But we've done that to ourselves. So get really serious about eliminating those. And by the way, I think you should eliminate most of those for the whole time, not just while you're on Sabbath. But certainly then, you probably don't need those notifications that are coming in. You realize that the phone and all of those companies are set up to walk behind you and be like, don't forget about us, don't forget about us, we need advertising money. And they're blowing this to remind you, check me, check me, check me, check me, check me. So don't do that. There's tons of great advice out there. We're not going to talk about many of them, but let me just mention a few. Only check email twice a day and none on the weekend. Um, uh, Do a news blackout for certain periods of time where you don't watch the news. Um, Don't argue online. Don't binge TV uh, so long and then realize you're more tired than when you started. Um, No social media before noon. I mean, there's lots of great little ideas that you could come up with. You just brainstorm yourself of like, how can I eliminate some of these unnecessary noisemakers in my life? Okay, so the R is remember. The E is eliminate. The S is to share. If, If you have family living with you in your home, share the Sabbath as a family. Figure out how, how can we make this together. Hopefully that you can at least share part of that Sabbath time together. And maybe there's a friend um, who, could, who could share the Sabbath with you just at the same time period. So that you both know you're, you're not living in the same house. But you know that on, on Saturdays from 8 a.m. until 4 p.m. The two of you are going to Sabbath and you're always going to call each other during Sabbath and at least talk at some point. Or maybe you're going to share a meal together. But you can hold each other accountable too. And you can talk about here's what it was like. So share it with somebody. A friend, a group of friends, a small group, your family. However that works out. Share it with them. So remember, eliminate, share. And then the T is try. Here's the deal. I hate when I preach a sermon with some application and somebody's like, uh, that just seems too difficult. Or I thought about it. Don't, don't think about it. Try it, okay? <laughs> um, try it. And when you try it, try different things. Like my ideas may not work for you, so try something else. Maybe it's a different day. I think God's okay with that. You know, maybe you're off on Wednesdays. Okay, take Wednesday. Let Wednesday be your Sabbath time. The goal is that that not everybody has it on the same time period, that would be cool. That would be great, but that's not going to work for everybody, so that's okay. So try different things. See what works. And if it all implodes on you, and it will sometimes, because the neighbor will have a plumbing problem, or your kids uh, you know, will get hurt, you know, things will happen, and just be like, okay, that happens sometimes. But I'm going to try it again next week, okay? Don't give up. Because don't you want to be part of a church community that isn't just overworked and overstressed 
our whole lives, but that we have this, um, this grace with one another that comes from having a little bit of extra time, a little bit of extra um, time with the Lord and time with our family. And, and I guess the word is margins. We've got some margins in our life. So we're not packed 24-7 all the time. Listen, what, what we're talking about is completely countercultural. And, and you're going to have to even maybe tell some of your friends and family, yeah, we're actually kind of doing the Sabbath this way. I shared that with somebody this past week um, that they were wanting to know about some, some marriage counseling stuff and just said, hey, our, our family's learning to do some Sabbath. I'll get back to you later. Um, appreciate you. Can, you know, try to be gracious, but I'm not going to line up a full calendar of work stuff when it can wait. And so that's what we need to do. I remember several years ago, uh, I was feeling tired. I was feeling a little overworked. I remember that we were onboarding someone, the staff, and I had just spent probably too many hours working, but our family had set up this little uh, long weekend trip to Arkansas to go camping. Um, well, sort of camping as we do in a yurt, okay. And, uh, and I remember so looking forward to that time. And I wasn't going to preach that day. I think Dave was preaching, and I was supposed to be off that whole day, but I had to come in Sunday morning to get a few more things ready before we took off. And I remember, I think uh, Beth had to go put some, some gas in the van, and she went ahead and did that. And I remember getting the last thing done, um, or at least enough done. And I remember actually just running down 31st Street away from here to go to the van and this feeling of like, oh, I don't have to do anything more. And even if I need to do something, I'm not going to do it. It's just, I, I'm going to leave this busyness behind. And I'm saying this out of vulnerability that wasn't in an emotionally healthy spot for me to feel that way. But I've tried to remember that a little bit of like, can Sabbath be that force where we're just like, okay, there's nothing else that I'm going to do or uh, I, I'm just going to leave that beside. That work may be a little bit incomplete, but God loves me. And I want to be in his presence and in the presence of others. So, uh, remember, eliminate, share, and try. Our hearts are restless, Augustine said, until they find their rest in God. And we live in a whole culture with people who are very restless. And, and they won't really find contentment until they find God. We will try all kinds of things, but it will leave us empty. If you place your faith in Jesus, he'll swap out your exhaustion for his rest. And that's what we want to invite you to do. We don't only want to invite you to begin practicing Sabbath, however that may look for you, but if you've never said yes to Jesus and you've been trying to find some rest by doing this or happiness doing this or feeling important by doing this or value doing this, all of those things, it never gets us there because it's all backwards. And God says, come to me and I will give you rest. And then we can work from a place of joy and we can be productive from a place of joy. And if our productivity kind of falls over and doesn't work out so well, it's okay. Our identity is in God, not in our failures and not in our successes. And so we call you to rest in Jesus 
if you're here with us, uh, I'm going to just be outside and would be glad to visit with you about what it means to follow Jesus just as soon as we're done today. If you're watching online, there's going to be a button pop up um, that you can click that you're interested in following Jesus and somebody will talk with you. Or if you want to set up a, a time to meet later this week, we'd be glad to meet with you and pray with you and talk about what it means to follow Jesus with your life to find the rest that you've been looking for. Would you pray with me? Father, we, we thank you that um, you are so good. You knew us before we were even born. You knew that we'd be prone to try to find value in different things. You knew that maybe even we would get so focused on the mission of God that we would forget to practice the presence of God. And so not only do we need a mission, but we need Sabbath rest, just as your son practiced and taught us. So, Lord, we pray that we could learn to rest in you, to know you. So, God, teach us this and help anyone who is not walking with you that today they would be drawn to your love and your goodness and your rest. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, thank you so much uh, for being with us today. Um, I, want, I did want to just let you know one more time, this book I can't recommend enough. If you want to read uh, about the deeply formed life, uh, our staff all read this book, and it's just so good. And it holds, holds hands with a lots of the, the sermons for the next few weeks. Um, we'll be pointing to that. So it's by Rich Viotis out of New York, and just encourage you to read that if you're a reader. Um, also, uh, I hope that you'll be uh, reading the chapter on wisdom uh, that we begin tomorrow morning. We'll be reading that. We have some more of those books out there and be glad to, to connect you with one of those books. Um, and if you're watching online, you can call the office and come by tomorrow and pick up a book. I uh, would be glad for you to do that. Um, also, uh, one component that is the most difficult component during these times is to get people together in community. Whether you're here in person or you're watching online, you know the difficulty it is to connect because you're like, how do we do it? How can it be safe? How can we love everybody? And this person can do this and this person doesn't feel comfortable. And as church leaders, it's one of our biggest concerns because God made us to live in community and with one another. So figuring out that out is really difficult. And uh, we have several small groups that are launching this week or next and we would love for you to be part of one of them. Several of them are virtual only. A couple of them uh, will meet outdoors. And if it's freezing cold, they'll, they'll do something online. Uh, but maybe even you want to do something with just a, one other family that you're already kind of sharing life with together. Or maybe somebody that you have a regular lunch meeting with. Um, we would encourage you, small groups can be very informal, Okay. But we would love to know that you're going to do that. So let us know. You're going to say, hey, me and my friend, we're going to get together on Tuesdays. And uh, we have small group little discussion booklets we can give you. But it's really just kind of right out of the book of like, hey, what did you learn this week? What is God teaching you about rest? And, and here's another chapter that we can read. So it's very simple. Anybody could do that. So if you can get together in one of our small groups, again, a link is going to pop up if you're watching online. Uh, if you're not watching online, then again, see me outside, and I can connect you with one of those. And if you can't connect with one of those formal small groups, find somebody else to, to do some community with. Maybe family, maybe friends, maybe a neighbor, maybe somebody here. 
but connect with somebody else. Don't go solo, okay? Uh, be with other people because not only do you need them, but they need you. So don't forget about that, even though I know it's a big challenge. Lastly, I would like us to pray today uh, for opportunities that the church has just to care for our community. You know, I think uh, a few months ago, we were all kind of thinking like, okay, maybe it's going to be a little bit better in January. And now most of us are on board with like, this is going to be a struggle for a while longer. And not only for medical concerns, but um, for schools. You know, I talked to several parents of Tulsa Public School uh, kids who aren't going to be meeting in person until at least March. And I know that's a complicated issue, and the staffing stuff for them is just really difficult, and that's kind of driving that decision. But listen, there's only so much we can do to even influence all of that decision-making, and that's really not for us to worry about too much. Maybe you're in a position to, so great. But what is our job is how can we love families that are impacted by that? And so that's going to be one of the big things that we're praying about in the next week or two. And I hope that we can launch a wave of love and compassion to families that are really struggling right now and caring for them. And I would encourage you, any way you can lean into a family or, uh, that has some school-age kids, do that. Uh, because I just think that's where Jesus is calling us uh, to really care for people. So I want to just close by praying for that and that God would give us fresh ideas and fresh ways uh, to care for families and for people who are struggling uh, during all of this pandemic time, okay? Let's pray. God, uh, we just pray that you would fill your people with ideas and with passion and with connections to love people who are struggling during this time. And we especially think about families with school-age kids or, or people whose just lives have been so uh, disrupted and they're at the end of their rope uh, we pray that we could throw them a lifeline and that in that they would see your love for them. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for being with us. Have a great day and I'll be behind you, so be careful. <laughs>